tell you what you're listening to welcome to father simon says on relevant radio with father richard simon i'm here to answer your questions have a question give us a call 1-888-914-9149 there's any question you may have about the lord the faith and the church that's 1-888-914-9149 this is in fact a radio show called father simon says on relevant radio Well, hello. I'm having fun already. I don't know if you are, but uh, I certainly am. That said, I suppose if I'm having too much fun, we should pray hard. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, enkindle in them the fire of your love, send forth your Spirit. They shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Lord, you taught the hearts of the nation by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by that same Spirit to have right judgment in all things and evermore to rejoice in his comfort through Christ our Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. And on this feast of St. Jerome, we thank you, Lord, for, for St. Jerome's great work. And we also pray for, I'd like to ask prayer for um, Bishop, Archbishop Jerome in Milwaukee and, and uh, all the bishops. Lord, help them to be good teachers and good fathers. We ask these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, uh, I, I I was just blown away yesterday by that uh, video that the seminary in Milwaukee put out. Uh, uh, it's uh, I think it's called Fidelity Twenty Twenty One. Let me pull it up just to make sure. Do we put a link up to that? That's. But thank you. That's that's Nick. If are you are you live and talking? I'm live now. I was in your head before. I don't, Oh, there he is. Yeah, yeah. If you just uh, do a YouTube search for Fidelity 2021 mm -hmm. Annual Seminary Dinner Video or just go to the podcast and, and right. it really is deeply inspiring. So uh, I was really moved by it. Well, let's open the big book on the coffee table. Enough. All right. Uh, the whole people gathered as one in the open space before the water gate. Well... That isn't the hotel uh, involved with the demise of Richard Nixon. Trust me. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not that. Not the Watergate scandal. It's uh, it's the Watergate in Jerusalem, and uh, it it was. Uh, 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 well, it's kind of hard to. I I think they can identify it. It's hard. So often, it's very hard to identify. Um, um, uh, where these gates are, but this was probably on the east side, uh, probably near the Gion Spring, because that's where they got their water for Jerusalem. So that would make sense. But that has nothing to do with anything, really. Uh, they called upon Ezra the scribe to bring forth the book of the law of Moses. Now, no one is quite sure what this book was. It, 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 when we talk about the book of the law of Moses, 
Uh, any Orthodox Jew, and I think most people, would think of the first five books of the Bible. In Greek, the Pentateuch. In Hebrew, the Torah. I'm going to continue to call it the Torah. So, there. Now you know what I'm talking about. Well, uh, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, and he stood at one end of the open space that was before the water gate, and he read out of the book from daybreak till midday. So it was not a small book. He stood on a wooden platform that had been made for the occasion. He opened the scroll so that all the people might see it. Uh, Ezra blessed the people. Ezra blessed the Lord, rather, the great God, and all the people, their hands raised on high, said, Amen, Amen. They bowed down to the ground and prostrated themselves. Ezra read plainly from the book of the law, interpreting it so that all could understand. I don't know what he means by interpreting. You see, at this point, most people weren't speaking Hebrew. They'd come back from the uh, Tigris-Euphrates Valley, and the common language was Aramaic, which is still spoken today by us here. We had a delightful caller yesterday. Uh, whose language at home was was a, it was a Chaldean or Chaldean I think is the more proper way to say it. He's Chaldean and he uh, uh, spoke a, a Syriac. They call it Syriac, but it really is Aramaic, and it was the common language. Uh, when the Jews came back from exile, they did not speak Hebrew. They spoke Aramaic, and Jesus spoke Aramaic. We we know he spoke Aramaic from the quotes that we have. Uh, in, for instance, the book of Mark. It's interesting to, to think that when the Bible talks about they were speaking in the Hebrew language, in the New Testament, it generally means Aramaic because it, they're very close. Aramaic, I, I, this isn't terribly exact, but I'll take a, I'll take a, a guess at it. Aramaic is to uh, Hebrew as say, Portuguese or Italian are to Spanish. You can converse with someone uh, who is, is uh, Spanish-speaking uh, uh, if you speak Italian and vice versa. I've done it. And Portuguese, Portuguese I find Portuguese a lovely language. And 90% uh, uh, of the words uh, are, are, um, are the same. It's just the, the big words, the important words are different. So... Uh, but moving along. So these were mutually understandable languages, almost, Aramaic and Hebrew. And the letters with which uh, Hebrew is written today are called Aramaic block letters or block characters. That's not the alphabet that was used before the, the exile to Babylon and the destruction of the temple. It was um, uh, uh, very similar to ours, uh, the, the alphabet that they used Um but in in uh, the exile and in the under the influence of Babylon, um, Judaism began to use that alphabet. So, well, I don't know. That's important. Now, there's a problem with Nehemiah and Ezra. They're contemporary, but certain readings of the scripture would make you think that they're forty years apart. It's it's uh, it's, it's it's a bit of a controversy. Some people ascribe it to to uh, scribal error, and I think that's important to think about. You know, we don't like to think that because the Bible is perfect. Yeah, the Bible is, the Word of God is perfect, but my eyes and ears aren't so good. Um, well, I want the exact text of Scripture. There is no such thing. It is amazing how extremely accurate Scripture is. Uh, when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, they were astonished that in 2,000 years um, of copying, 
there were almost no variations between the scroll of Isaiah as it would have been as it was written uh, at the time of Christ and the scroll of Isaiah as it is handwritten now by Orthodox Jewish scribes. So the transmission of the Bible has been very, very reliable. That doesn't mean that there are not small scribal errors. I mean, the monks, for instance, who copy the scriptures, um, they, in Advent and Lent, they would fast, and the monastic cells were cold, and they didn't get much sleep. And every once in a while, I imagine some scribe would doze off. That's why we have a church, because, well, one of the reasons we have a church, but one of the functions of the church is to guard the scriptures. And to say, no, this is what is meant by this passage. But when you say to me, I want the exact, the exact translation, well, it's a translation. It's not going to be exact. Well, I want an exact copy in the original. You can't even get that. And, well, then how, what, do you, what can you depend on? 99.9999999998. I made that number up. Don't tell anyone. Percent of the scripture is absolutely faithful to what went before. But remember, we live in an age in which you have uh, all of these technological means of duplication, which are exact. You take a photocopy of a document and then you pass that around cyberspace and it's invariant. It's invariable. That only began to happen uh, 500 years ago and it didn't happen well then. There were always small glitches. So um, this could be just a scribal error in terms of the dating of Nehemiah and Ezra. It's a very unimportant thing. They were essentially contemporaries. Well, that has nothing to do with the real point of the reading, but well, you know me, it takes me a while to get to the point. Today is holy to the Lord your God. Do not be sad and weep. They were distraught because they had not been obeying the law. There are a number of times when the law of God, the, the, the books of Moses were, were, were hidden from them. They were unable to obey and they had not celebrated the appropriate feast. They hadn't done what God wanted and they're distraught. And he says, don't be sad. Don't weep. Uh, go eat rich foods, drink sweet wine, a lot portions to those who have nothing prepared for today is holy to the Lord. Rejoicing in the Lord must be your strength. This is what a verse. Rejoicing in the Lord must be your strength. I often point people to Philippians, the fourth chapter, where St. Paul commands us. It's a commandment. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your forbearance be known to all. Your steadfastness. That's what that word is in Philippians. And make your petitions known to God with thanksgiving. This is a prescription on how to pray joyfully. You know, we saw, oh, God, things are going very badly, and, oh, Lord, these are all the things you're doing wrong. That's how I usually pray, telling God what he's doing wrong and, and what I want and what I need. Gimme, gimme, amen. But when I think about it, I realize I'm to pray with thanksgiving. You know, that means I will go and I will sit and I'll actually write things down, you know, four or five things that... I was doom. It was it was doom. It was it was, it couldn't possibly work out. You know that thing on my neck. I was doomed. That that uh, bill I had to pay. I just couldn't pay it. That you know. But God saw me through, and I thank you, Lord. So I thank God for things He's done four or five times. 
Well, except there's a lot of things I don't want to thank God for. I have so many needs, Lord. Amen. No, no, no. The, you can let God know what he's doing wrong and, and what he hasn't given you and how, how disappointed you are in him when you pray. But first, thank him for what he's done well. And you know what's going to happen if you say four or five times, thank you for this, thank you for that, thank you for this. You know what's going to happen? You're going to realize God has brought you safe thus far and he will lead you home. An example in my own life. This is a little personal, so you'll forgive me. But both my parents are gone, and I miss them terribly. I was blessed with wonderful parents, and I can sit and think I miss my parents so much. Uh, should I thank God they're gone? Well, maybe not, but I can thank God that I had two parents who loved me. And even death can't take that away. Thank you, Lord. That was so kind. Well, I didn't have two parents who loved me. Well, did you have anybody who loved you? Thank God for that. Is there something you, you ha you're happy about in life? You're breathing. You have the hope of eternal life. Thank God for that. And if you thank God for four or five things, then you know what happens? The re rejoicing in the Lord will be your strength. So uh, I wish I remembered this more often, but it really does work. You know, we are Americans. We don't like law. You know, don't tread on me. I, I, I'm, no. You know, I should thank God every time I see a stoplight or a stop sign, because if it wasn't for stoplights and stop signs, the way I drive, I'd be roadkill pretty fast. The law is God's gift. You know, thou shalt not commit adultery. Couldn't we make some of the some of the commandments optional? Like, is it all right if we obey eight out of the ten? No, you obey ten out of the ten because they guard your life. You know, the commandments are not optional. This is the way the universe works. Thou shalt not lie could be translated, thou cannot lie. You know, you say, Ma, I'm going to the library. And uh, you get home, if you've been wherever you were, not the library. And, and your mother says, oh, your Aunt June was at the library. Oh. Oh, she didn't see you. Oh, I was upstairs. That's where she was. So you tell a lie. You tell the second lie to protect the first lie, the third lie, the fourth lie, and the fifth lie. And then you're grounded for four weeks or five weeks, for each one for each lie. You see how it works? The truth will out. You can't commit adultery. Oh, <laughs> I've known people who do. No, you are never going to find the, the love and the safety and the beauty in the arms of an illegitimate relationship that you will find in that of a spouse you got to dedicate even when it's going rough you got to dedicate yourself to the relationship to the spouse because it takes work there is it's you know adultery is not going to lessen your loneliness it is only going to increase it believe me and so on uh, you know that 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 the law is god giving us hope and we should love the law of the lord lord teach me your ways let's go to the gospel real quickly Oh, this is a tough gospel, and I have to admit, I don't really understand it. Luke, the 10th chapter, the first verse and following, Jesus says, Into whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this household. If a peaceful person lives there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. I don't know that I've ever had the experience of my peace returning to me. Maybe if we think of the word shalom, which is a little different than, than our word for peace. We think of peace and quiet. Shalom is your well-being. It's, 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 it's the blessing. It's the favor of the Lord. And, you know, if you will the good of another and you wish them prosperity and 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 well-being if they are not capable of receiving it 
well, it's still a blessing to you. I, that may be what it means, but this sounds a little more mystical than, than, than I know. But one thing I'm sure about, I remember when I was a young man and, and we had a retreat team and we would be invited to some, some poor neighborhood uh, full of poor Latinos and we're going to give them a, a, a retreat. Then some richer person would say, oh, you don't have to stay at, at Don Fulano's house. Uh, we've got a swimming pool and we've got lots of room. Why don't you come stay at our place? Oh, all right. No, Jesus says, where you <laughs> stay, where you land and stay in the same house, and eat and drink what's offered to you. Don't try to trade up. You see, in the business of religion, we so often try to t trade up and it is the source of incredible scandal and and well decadence it ruins it ruins our testimony when we try to uh, trade up be that uh, uh, an assignment as, as a clergyman be it be it an appointment uh, uh, in, in 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 the church be it you know you don't trade up you do the best you can do where God has put you now the Lord may want to move you to another situation but that's different so uh, one very interesting thing I want to back up here. Um, well, I use that for the word of the day. Well, no, no, I won't. I've got another word of the day. Jesus appointed 72 other disciples. Those 72 other disciples in the Eastern Church are called the 70 or 72 apostles. You can look them up in the book uh, on the web, on the whatever, uh, that, that uh, they're called the apostles. And they're called disciples here, which students. Jesus appointed 72 other students whom he sent ahead of him. Well, whom he sent, the word is, the word is, uh, uh, he apostled them. Apostolin. He apostled them. So he made them apostles. In other words, he sent them out. So um, I think that's a very interesting thing that, that, uh, I'm always telling you, the apostles, there were lots of apostles. There were only 12 of the 12. All of the 12 were apostles, and um, uh, but there were, only 12, there were only 12 of the 12. And, you know, if you're an apostle, you might not be, like Paul was an apostle. He wasn't one of the 12. Might be an apostle, you're not one of the 12. But if you're one of the 12, you're an apostle. If that's not confusing, I don't know what is. That said, we will take a break and come back with, uh, well, we'll come back with letters and Open the phones will open up at 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. will be right back, God willing. The relevant radio studio line is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Information about employment opportunities and their flexible premium life insurance plans available at relevantradio.com slash forester. Now have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our trouble. You will hear our faintest cry. He will answer by and by. When you feel a little prayer, we'll turn well, I want to do mass hysteria. We're going to do mass hysteria, but it's going to be a repeat because I want to make sure you understood what I said because it wasn't pleasant. Mass hysteria. Have we got the introduction song to mass hysteria du jour? Uh, 
This is perfect. The table of what? Is that the table of Nancy? I don't know what the... Oh, plenty! I couldn't quite make it the table of Nancy. Did you Who not the heck ever play this song well, at your parish, Father? No, no. No, I had turned into a curmudgeon by the time that song was popular. So, and my my music director was a like soul. We played, well, religious music. But I said yesterday, and I'm sure people found it very harsh, that the little blessing that you have to give a child at communion is not appropriate to the liturgy. You know, that Archbishop Sample pointed out, and I think many other archbishops agree with him, and the general instruction for the Roman Missal uh, agrees that that, um, it's not in the liturgy, the blessing of the person who can't receive communion. And I think the genesis of that is from the also-ran trophies that we see um, in in children's sports, that you don't want anyone to have a bad feeling. And... I think that that uh, that's just not a biblical idea. Uh, um, that that the the mass is is a place where we offer ourselves to the Lord. It isn't a nice party, you know. I remember years ago, and I, I don't know if this goes on anywhere anymore. If it does, stop it. Uh, the communion ministers. And the priest and the deacon would receive communion after the people. Because when you invite someone to a party, it just isn't polite to serve yourself first. So we'll serve the guests, and then we'll serve ourselves. What a bunch of hokum! What a bunch of idiocy! Because, you see, the Mass isn't my party. <laughs> it's not my party. <laughs> uh, uh, it, it's, the, it's the unbloody representation of the... Of, of, of the sacrifice of Calvary. And when you go to Mass, you sign a contract written in blood. Ugh. Yeah, that's what you do. You, you, it's, it's a covenant. The word sacrament is a Latin word for oath to the death. You are taking the most solemn oath to give your life for Christ, for his bride, the church, and for the salvation of the world. That's what you're doing when you come up to the, the, the communion rail or wherever you receive Holy Communion these days. Now, that said, uh, um, if if that's true, if the Mass is this covenant, and I'm the priest who's celebrating the Mass, and I say, here, you sign first, I'll sign later. <laughs> you know, you're given this, this blank contract by God, and you say, Lord, the, the details aren't filled out. He said, don't worry, I'll fill them out later, just sign. Well, I hand it to you first and say, um, you sign first, I'll sign later. That's that's what the mass is. It is it is in a sense a signing of a covenant. Now, that's what I meant. That if you if you say things like I didn't get I didn't get the wine, Father, or my kid didn't get the blessing, you don't understand what mass is. That that I'm going to talk about this in the word of the day about eating. Eating was a very important part of a covenant ceremony. When I ate with you, if salt was involved, it meant. I was sworn to friendship with you, that eating itself was covenantal. Uh, if, you, if you ate, for instance, bread with salt with a person, you were sworn to them in the ancient world. And so even the communion part isn't a party. God is not just feeding us. He's inviting us into his, his own work in the world. And that may result in our death. 
uh, it certainly results in a lot of unnecessary meetings that we have to go to. I'm joking. But, you know, this idea that, well, I didn't get the wine or my kid didn't get the blessing. One more time, you do not go to Mass to get something. The purpose of going to Mass is to give something. Your life with Christ on the cross. If you do that, you will most certainly get something. But that's not the point of it. So that's what I meant when I when I say uh, that that um, uh, you know that, that that if you if you have that attitude, my kids got to get the blessing, or I got to get this. You don't understand mass. Now, as I said yesterday, that that canoe is pretty much over the waterfall. But I would like to make a suggestion. Father, if you want to go back to a more austere practice of the Mass that is more more properly liturgical, when people tell people, you know, if kids want a special blessing, I'll bless them in the vestibule or outside on the steps. Uh, because, And you can give a, an excuse saying, too many kids are receiving communion who have not made their first Holy Communion. That's true. I mean, how many times, as I said yesterday, have I given out... First Holy Communion to people who <laughs> didn't know it was their First Holy Communion. And it really kind of, you know, made a mockery of all of the preparation for the big day of First Holy Communion. And and so I, I really think that, that it's time for that that kind of also competed blessing uh, to end. All right. Well, that said, let us go now to letters. Okie dokie. Um, I have one here about the rosary and the mass. I'm curious, in many apparitions, both with those with Jesus and those with the Blessed Mother, they entreat us to pray the rosary daily. I've never heard of an apparition where they ask us to attend mass daily. This is from Jackie. You know, that there are some things so important that they go unsaid. You know, people say, well, you don't find the mass in the Bible. You most certainly do. It's a little oblique. That's because they don't it didn't. It, it doesn't need to be mentioned. It's so obvious. Um, the the uh, for instance, the mass isn't mentioned in in the Nicene Creed. No, the mass is older than the Nicene Creed. The mass is older than the Bible. Before the last words of Scripture were celebrated or were written down, they'd been celebrating mass for years. There's some things that are just assumed, and thus. Uh, the, in, in private revelations, we're encouraged to to um, um, uh, say the rosary daily. And those are private revelations. And I've become very fond of the rosary. Believe me, it's a very powerful prayer. By the way, don't forget, in October, we are doing a rosary project with EWTN. And who else is in on this? EWTN and and the Napa Institute. In California. Ah, in the Napa Institute in California. Yeah. In so California. join in the rosary. Join in the rosary. Uh, if you do not say a daily rosary, start this October because it's a powerful prayer. But, you know, we don't need to say, oh, go to Mass frequently as often as possible because the Bible does say it. It says so in the letter to the Hebrews. It says, do not, do not uh, avoid assembling with the brethren. And St. Paul says, when he says, um, whenever you see uh, um, the word to, whenever you're encouraged in Scripture to, to give thanks regularly, um, that word is to Eucharist, Efkaristein, and it can mean go to Mass. So, you know, it's not necessary for our Blessed Mother when she appears in places like Fatima and 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 uh, um, and and Champion, Wisconsin, it's not necessary for her to say to go to mass. 
you're going to miss already or else. So I hope that helps a little, Jackie. Okay, let's see here. Another one. We got... Uh, um, uh, there, there was, uh, this is from, uh, Shirley and, um, uh, in Irvine and, uh, Irvine, California. And she, well, you know, that, that, uh, podcast thing, 19 on the 19th, uh, um, about St. Joseph, a shrine to St. Joseph, um, and, and where St. Joseph had appeared, the time was limited. So, but you're right. I didn't mention a lady of Knox shrine where our blessed mother, St. Joseph, St. John, and Jesus uh, as the Lamb, all four appeared together. <laughs> so um, they're, they're, uh, you're absolutely right that that, that is a, a place of devotion to St. Joseph. So I, I just thought I'd mention that um, uh, because, of course, Shirley was right. Now, this is an interesting one. Uh, I'm always talking about the purpose for children or the purpose for marriage. My question is... Uh, says Cheryl, if the purpose of marriage is for people to be open to having children, how should we view Mary and Joseph's marriage in the light of her vow of virginity? I understand that the marriage is Joseph's protection of Mary, but what about marriage promise of being mar being open to even those marriages that cannot have children for legitimate reason? And the legitimate reason here is Mary apparently taken a vow of chastity. Um, and that was in the plan of God. But there are people who who are older, who are past the time of giving uh, giving new life. Uh, there are people who are not capable of having new life. Even their marriages are for the sake of children because their faithfulness to one another creates uh, an atmosphere of the sacredness of marriage, which is a protection for children. When I was a kid, it never occurred to me that my parents could divorce. And believe me, they had disagreements as any... Uh, what did G.K. Chesterton say about marriage? It's a duel to the death that no honorable man will decline. That, um, And, of course, I don't think G.K. Chesterton had children. But that that it never occurred to me that my parents could divorce because, well, we were Catholic. And, and in other words, marriage was held in such high esteem in those days that that I felt safe, even when my parents were glaring at each other, which did occasionally happen. Um, well, they weren't really glaring with each other. Papa put down his foot and there were occasions on which mama put down her foot, but there was foot putting down. It never occurred to me that it could end in serious trouble because it couldn't. So when two people who cannot have children are faithful to one another, they create an atmosphere in which the home is sacred and children are safe. So even childless marriages are for the sake of children, and everyone should be a parent. Perhaps it's only spiritual parenthood. If you have not been blessed with children, then try to do good for someone who needs good. Maybe a nephew, a niece, a relative. Uh, you know, be discreet and careful and respectful about it, but but bless people with the blessing that you have. So I hope that, that helps a little bit, Cheryl. Let's see here. What time is it? Uh, we'll do one more. Um, let's see here. Okay, no, not that one. Let's see here. All right. I, I got an interesting one about the ten lost tribes. Uh, I, I discussed the tribes who returned from Babylon a day or two ago, you know, Judah, Benjamin, and Levi. Also, that the ten northern tribes were deported by the Assyrians 
and Samaria, Samaria repopulated with foreigners. In Luke 2.36, we're told that Anna, the prophetess, was the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. This would have been some 500 years after the return from Babylon and over 600 since the deportation of the northern tribes. So apparently there was at least one additional tribe. There were many people who were not deported. Uh, who stayed in the land, and there were many people who took refuge in Judea from uh, uh, from the Assyrians and from those people imported. So yes, there were there were remnants of all the tribes in Judea. Probably uh, there were actually four tribes that didn't go into exile. Well, half the tribe of Levi, those Levites that were in the north, went into exile. Probably especially the Levites because they were in leadership. But um, remember, the tribe of Simeon was just south of the tribe of Judah in, in Israel, and they were absorbed into the tribe of Judah. And, and of course, Benjamin was uh, a distinct tribe. Paul uh, was from the tribe of Benjamin. And uh, so uh, you have those four tribes. So, you know, how do you get the 10 lost tribes? It gets a little a little confusing, but... Oh, there are all sorts of ways to work out the math, as any good accountant knows. But with that said, let's go to a break, and we'll come back um, with a word of the day. And uh, the phones are open, 888-914-9149, Lady of luck, my queen of The Relevant Radio Studio Line is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Information about employment opportunities and their flexible premium life insurance plans available at relevantradio.com slash forester. Georgia, Georgia, the whole day Just an old sweet song Keeps Georgia on my mind Georgia on Okay, my word of the day. I gotta go to the word of the day. Focus. 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 Hello. Oh, yes, the word of the day. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. We have so much fun. Let's see here. Jesus appointed 72 other disciples whom he sent ahead of him. And I told you that it's apostelen. That means he apostled them. He sent them out to every town uh, in place he intended to visit. Um, th- this is very obscure. This the, the, the way it's said in Greek is, is a little bit different. I, I don't think it's contradictory in any way, but uh, it's it's a little, it's different. It literally is that he sent them out, he apostled them out, if, if my, only my Greek text would pop up here. He, well, he sent them out two by two, and then it's proposopon, which means, ah, there it is. Is it proposopon? Apostelonatus ana duo duo proposopu, prosopu. A prosopu is a is what's before the eyes. It's the face, and it it means in his presence. And I mentioned the other day that there was a Hebraicism in in uh, in Luke. Um, I think Luke tried to get the exact words down because he said, "Desiring with desire, I have desired." That's a very Jewish way to speak, and this is another very Jewish way to speak. Pro prosopo. Uh, in other words, he went to the places. 
that he sent them to the places where he intended to be present. Prosopon, face, that's the way you say presence in Hebrew. Uh, you've heard of the showbread, which the, the 12 loaves of bread representing the 12 tribes in the holy in the holy place in the temple. In Hebrew, that's really the bread of the presence. You see the face, it's the bread of the face, the bread of the presence. The face is the present before his face. And, you know, I'm I'm just thinking about about this current situation. And it, it is very, very difficult to converse with people because of the face mask. I'm not saying you shouldn't wear face masks. Where you're supposed to wear a face mask, wear a face mask. But but I think that we need to, to really do some compensating for the fact that we can't be present to each other. And I think one of the, you know, one of the most important things in church, I joke about it a lot, you know, I talk about the laying on of donuts after mass. I have come to believe that that's really important, that when you eat a meal with someone, as I said earlier, you are entering into fellowship with them. Have you ever really thought about how much eating goes on in the Bible? I'm not just saying that because I like food, which I do, but there's so much eating in the Bible. That's because to eat with someone is to be present to them. It, 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 it's, it's a sharing of, 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 of presence, and that, that's why eating is at the center of our faith. I mean, the Holy Eucharist, the source and summit, is about eating. It isn't a feast. It's a sacrificial meal, which is a little bit different. It isn't a party. It's a sacrament. But sacraments involve eating, you know, and I, I would I would encourage you in this time to eat with people as much as you can. I think the family meal is very important because you have to see one another's faces munching away, smiling and laughing. And, and I think that that is a that is integral to our faith. It isn't just a nice thing to do. It is integral to our faith. So when we joke about the Eighth Sacrament, the laying on of donuts, it's only partly a joke. All right, we're going to go to calls, but the phones are open, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Who do we have, dear voice in my head? Hello. <laughs> Ms. Doubtfire. Liz from Merrillville, Indiana. Are you with us, Liz? Hello, Liz. Oh, Liz from Merrillville. Oh, there you are. What can I do for you? Hi, Father. Yes, I have a question. Um, what? Okay, about praying to God and asking for an answer to this one prayer, but it's like it's, it gets, becomes frustrating because I don't, <laughs> I don't hear anything or I don't see anything or don't receive any mm-hmm. signs. And it's what does one do? I mean, you still continue or do you have this or is the answer right there and yes i just don't see it well you know what you should do nothing whatsoever um there's a wonderful old gospel song if we don't hear from you lord what can we do you know that that i know that sounds that's not the answer you're looking for but uh when god when you can do nothing you know what you're supposed to do nothing that that uh, I remember the story of a, a founder of a religious order who, I guess there was a feud in the in the in the house, and everybody who was preparing for ordination stormed out and left, and the Lord just uh, this, this this founder just said nah, and well went and knelt down in the um, in the chapel, 
didn't didn't say anything. He didn't say, Lord, bring him back. He didn't do anything. He just said, well, here I am, Lord. And one by one, they all came back. And when he turned around, his entire uh, ordination class was was kneeling in church behind him. There's sometimes when you, all you can do is wait upon the Lord. And that may be what the Lord is saying. You know, trust me, wait upon me. And, you know, that's, I hate it when the Lord does that to me. I want an answer yesterday and I want it done the day before yesterday. But sometimes the Lord says, you can trust me. You can trust me. Of course I trust you. Now do what I want. <laughs> you follow? So I will join you in prayer. I, we don't need to know the intention, but, um, but, uh, Lord, I think your prayer has to be speak, Lord, your servant listens. And, uh, um, okay. You know, I think when you're really disposed to hear the Lord, you will. So, wish I had an easier okay. thing to say, but that's at least that's my experience <laughs> in my life. So, okay. all right. Hope that helps a little. Hang in there. God bless you. Who we got now, dear voice in my head? Alonzo from Las Vegas. Are you with us, Alonzo? Yes, Father, I'm here. Good. What can I do for you? So I think you pretty much just answered my question, but um, I guess I'll, answer, I'll ask a slightly different one. No, um, why not? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to discerning God's will in one's life, and it, like recently, you know, I, I've, my family kind of fell away from the faith, and I'm uh, sort of reverting back mm -hmm. a little bit. I, it was when I was a child, and mm -hmm. now I'm reverting back, and I'm, yeah. a lot of my relationships are kind of um, uh, being shaken up a little because of this. So what are ways oh, yeah. that... Um, I can discern God's will and make sure also that I'm not being uh, proud or prideful, like, oh, you know, I'm uh, towards my family or, or making sure that I'm taking care of them as well while also pursuing, you know, what I believe is what, what God wants me to do. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I think of my own discerning of a vocation to the priesthood. I remember asking a, an old priest, how do you know it's what God wants uh, for your life? And he said, what you want in your deepest heart is what God wants. You know, most of us, the scripture says, I will give you the desires of your heart. Most of us don't know the desires of our heart. We know only the desires of our head. You know, that's, they say that's the longest uh, distance, uh, the 12 inches from head to heart. And, and I think that um, that was very wise advice. And, and I just said, Lord, I really want this. And, and, um, you know, there were a number of things in my life that came up um, uh, that were obstacles to ordination uh, in my life when I was young. And uh, and no one could ever convince me that I got conned into it or, or, or cajoled into it. I realized this is really what I wanted in my heart. And I've never regretted a day in my life that I was ordained. There are certain assignments I've regretted, certain situations I've regretted. But having been ordained a priest, I never have regretted it. Um, and, and that was because God put me through some very difficult things, uh, in which I just said, Lord, no matter the obstacles, I'm going to continue because this is what I want in my deepest heart. And I think it's what you want for me. You know, if you sincerely want what God wants, even if you get it wrong, I think God makes up the difference. So I hope that helps Alonso. Oh, that helps a lot. It's exactly what I was looking for, Father. Thank you very much. Well, God bless you. And if your family is being difficult with you, just say, look, I love you. You know, you know, yeah. I love you. And uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and remember, a prophet in his own home is never yeah. accepted. 
Oh, yeah. Very difficult. Prophet in his own home. Jesus didn't have much luck with his relatives until he rose from the dead. So, all right. God bless Alonso, and I'll be praying for you. Whom do we have now? Joseph from Alton, Illinois. Are you with us, Joseph? I am, Father. Peace be with you. Good. And also with okay. you and with your spirit. Oh, well. That right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I... I have a brother-in-law who says that there is no mention of St. Peter being in Rome, yet I believe that St. Peter's tomb is right underneath the uh, spot where our Holy Father says Mass. What do you say? And yes. is there a reference I can go to? I, Other than sacred I agree tradition. with you wholeheartedly. Oh No, there's more than sacred tradition. There are the early Christian authors. You know, that, that the Scripture doesn't say that Peter went to Rome because, well, by the time the, that section of the Scriptures was done, actually the book of Revelation does seem to, to uh, uh, might might have reference to it, but that's, that's a visionary. I don't think that counts. Uh, but the Scriptures were finished before the martyrdom of St. Peter. Uh, um, okay. The, the uh, St. Irenaeus of Lyon in the year 180 refers to this. Uh, the uh, letter of, uh, oh, the, oh, what was his name? Tro Trophimus? Oh, gosh, I can't think. No, the, no, I forget his name. But he talks in the year 150 about, about St. Peter's tomb, you know, so that within a short lifetime after the death of St. Peter, there, there were certainly references. In the letter of St. Clement of Alexandria seems to indicate that. So, um, okay. but once again, there's nothing uh, as you know, far the, as in uh, the, the Bible and the sacred scriptures that I can no, point to my no, brother. There's nothing in the Bible. This. Well, point okay, to him that okay. there's nothing in the Bible that says we should have mass on Sunday either. <laughs> well said. Okay. Okay. No, but yeah, they, yeah, there's nothing in the Bible that, anyway. that talks about Sunday. <laughs> No, no. Uh, there's lots of stuff that isn't in the Bible, but uh, there's lots of stuff that is. True, true. No, the early true. Christian authors, not tradition, but written documentary evidence points to Peter in Rome. So there you go. And you're right. I've seen, I've been down in the basement and I saw his, I saw his tomb. It's there. No problem. So I hope that helps. And remember, he's it's your brother-in-law and you start. should treat... Yes, and he's your brother-in-law and uh, a prophet in his own home, as I said to the former caller, uh, but especially a prophet with his brother-in-law. Oh, dear. All right. Hang in there. Be good to him. Who have we got now, dear voice in my head? Hello, Kathleen Father? from Bel Air, Maryland. Are you with us, Kathleen? Yes, Father. Yes, Father. Oh, praise be Jesus Christ, now and forever. Okay. Now and forever. Father. Amen. Oh. Um, I have had salt and oil blessed at uh, the East, the Saturday before Easter blessing of food, okay? Mm -hmm. And sure. blessing of, and Father blesses our rosaries and religious articles. Oh, yeah. And salt and oil. And I am under the impression that salt and oil are elements that can be blessed to be used in the home. Well, yes. I say the yeah, prayer sure. to St. Michael, the Archangel, to um, mm -hmm. keep to you know keep the, the sure. place safe for Catholics. And I want to know what can I do with the salt and the oil? I don't know how to use them to benefit. 
Well, our space, our they family. were they were blessed. They were blessed on uh, on Holy Saturday, and the blessing on Holy Saturday is a blessing of food. You could even use them uh, as you would salt and oil in the kitchen. But uh, if it's getting old or something and you just don't want to dump it out, pour it out in the ground in the backyard. That's a respectful way to dispose of something that is is blessed. Uh, um, so I would. That's what I would do. Uh, or you know, if it's fresh enough, use it on a salad. But uh, salt and oil are very. You know, we don't believe in magic, but we do believe in words. And salt and oil and these sacrament uh, these sacramentals are ways to say to the devil, you don't belong here. And the devil gets the message. So, so that's that's we're using them not in a magical way, but in 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 a a reasonable way in which we we speak uh, through these symbols to the powers that surround us. And so, salt and oil are very beautiful things. And so, you can just keep them in the house, keep them on a bookshelf if you want. And uh, as a reminder to yourself and reminder to anything else that might be there, this place belongs to God. And speaking of belonging to God, well, Drew is coming up. And uh, if he doesn't belong to God, well, he does. So does everybody relevant radio. <laughs> Occasionally we fight it. So uh, thanks so much for listening. And don't go anywhere because the Divine Mercy Chapel is coming up. The biggest prayer meeting in human history, I suspect. <laughs> 